0: Are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Frank Wooden. Country of the Pointed Bird by Sarah Orne Dewitt. Chapter 6 The Waiting Place. How did you manage with the rest of that rough voyage on the Minerva? I shall be glad to explain to you, said Captain Little Page, forgetting his grievances for the moment. If I had a map at hand, I could explain better. We were driven to and fro, way up toward what we used to call Paris Discoveries, and lost our bearings. It was thick and foggy, and at last I lost my ship. She drove on a rock, and we managed to get ashore on what I took to be a barren island. When she first struck, the sea was somewhat calmer than it had been, and most of the crew, against orders, manned the longboat and put off in a hurry, and were never heard of more. Our own boat upset, but the carpenter kept himself and me above water, and we drifted in. I had no strength to call upon after my recent fever, and laid down to die. But he found the tracks of a man and dog the second day, and got along the shore to one of those far missionary stations that the Moravians supported. They were very poor themselves, and in distress, it wasn't useless to There were but few Eskimo left in that region. There we remained for some time, and I became acquainted with strange events. The captain lifted his head and gave me a questioning glance. I could not help noticing that the dull look in his eyes had gone, and there was instead a clear intentness made them seem dark and piercing. There was a supply ship expected, and the pastor, an excellent Christian man, made no doubt that we should get passage in time. He was hoping that orders would come to break up the station, but everything was uncertain, and we got on the best we could for a while. We fished and helped the people in other ways. There was no other way of paying our debts. I was taken to the pastor's house until I got better. "'and I felt myself in the way "'and made excuse to join with an old seaman, "'a Scotchman, who had built him a warm cabin "'and had room in it for another. "'He was looked upon with regard "'and had stood by the pastor "'in some troubles with the people. "'He had been on one of those English exploring parties "'that found one end of the road in the North Pole, "'but never could find the other. "'We lived like dogs in a kennel, "'or so you thought if you had seen the hut from the outside.' "'But the main thing was to keep warm. "'There were piles of bird skins to lie on, "'and he'd made him a good bunk, "'and there was another for me. "'It was dreadful career waiting there. we begun to think the steep supply steamer was lost, "'and my poor ship broke up "'and screwed herself all along the shore. "'We got to watching on the heavens. "'My men and me knew the people were short of supplies "'and had to pinch themselves. <laughs> "'It ought to read in the Bible,' man cannot live by fish alone. They told the truth of things. It ain't bread that wears the worst on you. First part of the time, old Gaffet, that I lived with, seemed speechless, and I didn't know what to make of him, nor he of me, I dare say. But as we got acquainted, I found he'd been through more disasters than I had, and had troubles that wasn't going to let him live a great while. It used to ease his mind to talk to an understanding person, so we used to sit and talk together all day. I'd got a bad blow on the back of my head at the time we came ashore, and it pained me at times, and my strength was broken anyway. I've never been so able since. Captain Littlepage fell into a reverie. Then, I had the good of my reading, he explained presently. I had no books. The pastor spoke but little English, and all his books were foreign. But I used to say, over all I could remember, old poets little knew what comfort they could be to a man. I was well acquainted with the works of Milton, but up there it did seem to me as if Shakespeare was the king. He has the sea turns very active, and some beautiful passages were calming to the mind. I could say them over until I shed tears. There was nothing beautiful to me in that place but the stars above and those passages of verse. Gaffet always brooding and brooding and talking to himself. He was afraid he should never get away, and it preyed on his mind. He thought when I got home I could interest the scientific men in his discovery. But they're all taken up with their own notions. Some didn't even take pains to answer the letters I wrote. You observe that I said this crippled man Gaffer had been shipped on a voyage of discovery. I now tell you that the ship was lost on the and only Gaffet and two officers were saved off the Greenland coast. And he had knowledge later that those men never got back to England. The brig they shipped on was run down in the night, so no other living soul had the fact, and he gave them to me. There is a strange sort of country. Something off, he said, going on with his story quite steadily after the moment of excitement had passed. was first a tale of dogs and sledges and cold and wind and snow. Then they begun to find the ice grow rotten. They had been frozen in and got into a current flowing north, far up beyond Fox Channel. And they took to their boats when the ship got crushed. And this warm current took them out of sight of the ice and into a great open sea and they still followed it due north just the very way they had planned to go. Then they struck a coast that wasn't laid down or charted, But the cliffs were such that no boat could land until they found a bay and struck across under sail to the other side where the shore looked lower. They were scant of provision and out of water, but they got sight of something that looked like a great town. For God's sake, Gadget, said I, the first time he told me. You don't mean a town two degrees farther north than ships had ever been. But he'd got their course mark on an old chart that he'd pieced out at the top. But he insisted upon it, and told it over and over again, to be sure I had it straight to carry to those who would be interested. There was no snow and ice, he said. After they had sailed some days with that warm current, which seemed to come right from under the ice they'd been pinched up been crossing on foot for weeks. But what about the town? Did they get to the town? They did, said the captain, and found inhabitants. was an awful condition of things. It appeared as near as Gavin could express it, like a place where there was neither living nor dead. They could see the place where they were approaching it by sea, pretty near like anything, and thick with habitations. But all at once, they lost sight of it altogether. And when they got close inshore, they could see the shapes of folks, But they never could get near them. All blowing gray figures that would pass along alone or sometimes gathered in companies, as if they were watching. The men were frightened at first, but the shapes never came near them. It was as if they blew back, and at last they all got bold and went ashore. Found birds' eggs and sea like any wild northern spot where creatures were seen and folks had never been, and there was good water. Gaffet said that he and another man came near one of the fog shaped men that was going along, slow with the look of a cat on its back, among the rocks, and they chased him. But Lord, he flitted away out of sight like a leaf the wind takes with him, or a piece of cobweb. They would make as if they talked together. as if they didn't see us, but only felt us coming toward them, says Gaffer one day, trying to tell it to pick They couldn't see the tent when they were sure. One day the captain and the doctor were gone till night up across the high land where the town it seemed to be. And they came back at night, beat out and quiet as ashes, and wrote and wrote all next day in their notebooks, and whispered together full of excitement. And they were sharp-spoken with the men, The man on watch early in the morning gave the alarm, and they all put off in the boat and got a little way out to sea. Those folks or whatever they were, come about them like bats. All at once they raised incessant armies and come as if to drive them back to sea. They stood thick at the edge of the water, like the ridges of grim war. No thought of life, none of the trees. Sometimes a standing fight, then soaring on main wing, tormented all the air. And when they'd gone, got the boat out of reach of danger, Gaffet said they looked back, and there was the town standing up just as they'd seen it first, coming on the coast. Say what you might, they all believed it was a kind of waiting place between this world and that. the end. Captain was to his feet and, and made excited gestures, but he still whispered huskily. the officers were hurrying home to report, and to fit out a new expedition, when they were all lost. At the time, the men got orders not to talk over what they had seen, the old man explained presently, in a more natural tone. Weren't they all starving? And wasn't it a mirage, or something of that sort? I ventured ask. But he looked at me Gap it had got so that his mind ran, the ship's surgeon let fall an opinion to the captain one day that it was some condition of the light and the magnetic currents that let them see those folks. It wasn't a right-feeling part of the world, anyway. They had to battle with the compass to make it serve, and everything seemed to go wrong. Gaffet had worked it out in his own mind that they was all common ghosts, but the conditions were unusual favorable for them. He was always talking about the geographical society. But he never took proper steps, as I viewed it now, and stayed right there at the mission. He was a good deal crippled and thought they'd confine him in some jail of a hospital. He said he was waiting to find the right men to tell somebody bound north. Once in a while, they stopped there to leave a mail or something. He was set in his notions and let two or three proper exploring expeditions go by because he didn't like their looks. But when I was. And he might be taken away. Or he had all his directions written out, straight as a string. To give the right one, I wanted him to trust me, so I might have something to show. But he would not I suppose he's been now. I wrote to him, and I have done all I could. It will be a great exploit some of these days. I assented, absolutely thinking more just then of my companion's alert, determined look and the seafaring, ready aspect that had come to his face. But at this moment there fell a sudden change, and the old, pathetic, scholarly look returned. Behind me hung a map of North America, and I saw, as I turned a little, that his eyes were fixed upon the northernmost regions and their careful, recent outlook.